Studio Tortu presents Deep Folk, Tales from the Generator. Deep Folk is a first-person adventure radio drama created using AI Dungeon Dragon Engine. folk adventurers and welcome to brother chili episode four landfall this episode was created and read by malcolm sutherland you are brother chili a fry brother from the religious order of fast food you and brother cola open have managed to escape a deadly plot at your abbey and are on board a boat captained by a man named ian toller you are hoping to reach the hot dog crime squad in Neo New York and bring the sinister keepers of the food to justice. En route, the captain has revealed his plan to unite the seven villages against the mafia boss Don Linoleum, taking revenge for the murder of his wife. You have just escaped the island of Imor, where a captain drank a mysterious ancient brew said to grant inhuman powers of persuasion. The ship is now back on its way to the mainland and you are beginning to feel seasick. This is where we begin our adventure. Welcome to Brother Chili, Episode 4. Even after several days at sea, you're still not used to the constant lurching movement of the ship. And up here at your station in the crow's nest, it seems worse than ever. You have to cling on to the mast for dear life, just to stand upright. The sea below you seems to heave and swell endlessly, and the wind blows strongly, flinging icy salt water into your face. Brother Cola Open is up here with you, and he seems unfazed by the turbulent waters. You say, Brother, how is it you're not affected by the movement of the sea? You've been on land as long as I have. I grew up on a farm in the village of Togi, says Brother Cola Open. You say, Oh, I didn't know that. Did that prepare you for life on board a boat? Brother Cola Open gives you a quick look, as if he's mildly offended by the question. My parents are not wizards, he says. I meant no offense, dear brother. I suppose it's just that life on the farm makes you stronger than a childhood spent over a deep fryer. Maybe, he says, his voice softer now. The sun is setting over the horizon, and you can see it reflecting red on the surface of the water. It makes you think of the recent blood that's been spilled. Brother, you say, I killed two men back there on Imor Island. Brother Cola Open looks at you, and then quickly turns his gaze back to the sea. You did what you had to do, he says after a few moments. You say, things sure are different out here, aren't they? Things are different back home, too, Brother Cola Open says as he looks out over the sea, face darkening. You think about poor Father Custard and how he died helping you escape the island. Yes, you say. The keepers of the food, the mafia, it all seems so complicated now, you sigh. <sighs> we just have to make it to Neo New York and find Chief Pringaman. He'll know what to do. Brother Cola Open nods his head, but says nothing. 
You stand there side by side for a while longer as the boat sails towards its destination. The sun drops below the horizon and you both head down to your cabin. Tomorrow you will reach the mainland, although the captain has not yet revealed at what port. For now you're just glad to be away from the island and its terrors. As you reach your cabin door, there's a note stuck to it. You pick it up and read it. It's from Tom, telling you that he needs you down in the kitchen. The kitchen is located down in the bowels of the ship. It's where the food is stored, so that it can be accessed easily by the chefs. You enter the room and are hit by a wave of heat emanating from the giant ovens. A man, covered in soot, turns from the oven and looks at you. Ah, brother chilly, says Tom. I need you to do me a favor, my friend. Anything for you, Tom, you say. But, he says, drawing out the vowel, it's kind of a big favor. I need you to go down to the cells and feed the prisoner. The cells, you ask? There's prisoners on board? Tom nods his head. Oh yes, he says. We picked up a prisoner on the way, and we need someone to feed him while he's on board. Who is this prisoner? He's, uh, a criminal, he says. What has he done? You ask. Tom looks nervous and begins to speak before stopping again. He takes a deep breath and then continues. It's, um, it's best you don't know. You can tell that Tom is uncomfortable, so you don't push the issue. Um, okay, Tom, you say. Then, tell me, Tom, do you know yet where we're making landfall tomorrow? No, he says. Captain is being very tight-lipped. Says we'll know when we get there. You say, what do you think? I don't know, he says. But the captain is the captain, you know. Tom looks down and wipes the soot from his brow. Well... Best get this to the prisoner, he says, handing you a large tray with bread, apples, and pears. Come on, I'll show you the way. Tom leads you through a narrow hallway, passing by the prep kitchens and into a small elevator. He hits the down button, and the elevator begins its slow descent into the depths of the ship. It's a good job you're here, Tom, you say. I don't think I'd make a very good chef. Tom laughs. <laughs> nah. You'd probably be better off as a friar, or a thinker or something. You part ways with Tom as the elevator doors slide open. There stands a blank-faced guardsman in knee-high boots, gray pants, and a tightly belted gray coat. Ah, meal time, he says, and bids you to follow. You follow the guard down a dark hallway, carrying the tray full of food. The air is thick and greasy down here. The guardsman leads until you reach a large room with eight metal doors leading off it. Knock when you're done, he says. He locks the door behind you, leaving you alone in the dark, empty chamber. But what do I... You stammer as you stand there holding the tray full of food. Brother, do you perchance play an instrument? A voice asks from behind one of the metal doors. I... I... play the... You begin to stutter, before realizing there's a mandolin on top of a nearby locker. I, I play the mandolin. A musician. Oh, what a wonderful thing. Brother, come, play for me. The voice says. You say, who are you? A pause. I'm prisoner 29. I've been held here for simply refusing to join the Neo New Navy, or NN Navy. I fled to my family's farm 
But they turned me in for the reward money. You are the first person I have spoken to in months. They send down trays of food and take out the trash once a day. You say, I'm sorry to hear that, friend. That does sound unjust. My name is Brother Chili, a simple fry cook. Pleasure to meet you, Brother Chili. The voice comes back. You hear the metal clanging of chains and a coughing from behind one of the doors. You put the tray on the table and begin playing. The sound of the mandolin echoes off the walls, bouncing around the chamber. Beautiful, the voice says. You play on the sweet sounds filling the room. After a few minutes, you finish the song and lower the mandolin. Thank you, Brother Chili. I haven't heard music in many long months. You, you've touched my heart. You pick up the tray and pass it through the slot in the door to the prisoner. Do you have a name? You ask. Arthur, he says. Well met, Arthur. Greece be with you. And also with you, brother. You head back to the elevator and head back up to the deck. You find Tom and give him his trays. Did you feed the prisoner then? You say. I don't think that man has done anything wrong. Well, I guess it's not for us to judge, eh? Tom says. You're not sure how you feel about all this. You've always been told that criminals are evil, but the deep appreciation that Arthur showed for you and your music, well, you find it hard to believe that such a man could be all evil. You head back to your cabin. Just as you're about to lay down, a guardsman knocks on your door. Brother Chili, you're needed at once in the brig. You follow the guardsman to the brig. The guardsman walks ahead quickly and you struggle to keep up. When you get to the cells, the guard says, It's prisoner 29. The captain's in there. The captain is standing over a body. When you get in, you see that it's the body of Arthur. He tried to escape. You say, Oh, no. Do you know this prisoner? The captain asks. He... he was the one I played for, you stammer. I left him just 30 minutes before you called me here. What? The captain says. You played for him? By the gods, that explains it. Do you know who that man was? He told me his name was Arthur. Arthur Bell, the captain shouts. The most famous mandolin player in all the land. He, he was a musician? You ask. One of the best, the captain says. That's his mandolin right up there. When we took it from him, it took the fight out of him. You must have touched him something deep to set him off like that. But... But he said he was kept here just because he wouldn't join the NN Navy. The captain laughs a cruel, hard laugh. <laughs> join the Navy? No, why would he? Didn't you see that mutant that jumped you on the road? What? You, you mean the men back on the island? Ah, those weren't men. Those are evil beings created by science. Sure, in the cities, the NN Navy seems great. Maybe noble, even. But the truth is very different, Brother Chili. What, 
What is the truth? A tear falls down the captain's cheek before he turns away to hide the sign of weakness. I... I was trying to save this man, the captain says. But I... I must have lost my nerve. It's been too long since I've seen my wife. If you hadn't arrived, I would have saved him. Now I'm no better than those brutes. You say, I I'm sorry, Captain. I had no idea. The captain looks up at you with a sharp look in his eye. No, it's not your fault, Brother Chili. The dawn will pay for all of this, he says. Everything. He dismisses you and you go back to your bunk, completely exhausted. That night, as you lay in bed, the boat rocks slightly. You wait for sleep to take you. The ocean is calm, but a storm rages inside your head. The smell of salt is strong and the waves are steady. In the soft moonlight, you see a shape outside your porthole. It's the figure of a man, small and frail looking. Then a face appears at the porthole. The figure watches you. You try to scream, but you can't even manage a whisper. Nearby, Brother Cola Open lies next to you, snoring contentedly. How can this be? As you lay in bed, unable to move, the figure enters your room through the wall. As it draws close, you shudder. It is Father Custard. You say, Father, how can this be? Father Custard pats you on the head and smiles at you. His hands are cold. His white, hairless skin reminds you of death. You shiver. You say, Father, you're dead. He shakes his head and explains. After all we've been through, you still don't know. <laughs> he laughs quietly. I am like Greece itself, he explains. I float through the universe now. He smiles. Listen to me, Brother Chili. I have something very important to tell you. I know you are having a hard time. The wide world is a dangerous place filled with violence. He stops and sighs. You nod quietly. It, it's true, Father, you say sadly. It's all so big. I'm afraid. There is only one rule you need to follow to stay true in this untrue world. Do you want to know what it is? The rule, my child. Father Custard whispers, his face just inches from you. Is this? Every man cooks and prepares his own fate. He smiles. Never forget that. Father, you say quietly, despairingly. Father Custard fades, and soon the room is empty again, except for the soft snoring of Brother Cola Open and the salty sea air wafting in through the open window. Father, you whisper. It takes a while, but eventually you fall asleep. In the morning, Brother Cola Open shakes you awake and the pair of you head to the galley. 
Calm greets you and serves you some bacon and eggs with toast. A cup of black coffee helps wake you up even more. Tom waits until you've eaten and then says, We'll be dropping anchor off the town of Miller's Rest today, where we will spend the night. I think the captain is serious about trying to unite the seven villages after all. The captain enters the room. He looks tired, but is smiling. We've got an accord with Miller's Rest, he tells you. We'll spend the night there, then head to the village of Katash, which is situated inland nearby on a lake. Hopefully by then, the remaining villages will have agreed to a parley. The captain's good mood seems well-placed. He seems the type of man who is happier having chosen his course rather than floundering in the waters of indecision. By sundown, you, Brother Kolo Open, Tom, the captain, and several other men are on the skiff, disembarking for Miller's Rest. The village is small and huddled, with houses packed closely together among muddy streets. As you disembark, the villagers begin to emerge from their homes, drawn by the captain's arrival. A short, balding man walks quickly towards you. He smiles warmly and addresses the captain as Master Tola. The rest of the villagers do indeed appear to be cowed by him as they gather to watch you disembark. The man's welcoming smile is not mirrored by the two burly lugs who stand to either side of him. The man's name is Frederick, and he runs a tight ship. He has the village's best interests at heart, the captain explains to you as Frederick leads you through the narrow streets. Accommodation in Miller's Rest is meager, he says. But you and your crew are of course welcome to spend the night in my own home. I have a little place at the edge of town. <laughs> it's the best place for you and your men tonight. He nods to you and Brother Cola open. If you would be more comfortable under a more holy roof, so to speak, we could send for the abbot up at the abbey to see if they could take you in there for the night. You wonder if the keepers of the food have infiltrated the abbey here as well. If so, it might be a very dangerous place for the two of you, having just barely escaped their clutches with your lives. However, on the other hand, it might be a good way to warn the abbot here and prevent more bloodshed. You and Brother Cola Open exchange worried looks. Thank you, you say, unsure how to respond. That would be most kind of you. Then I shall send a couple of my lads off right now. Take the horses over, he says, gesturing to the burly men next to him. Now, the rest of you, come with me. The captain chuckles as he watches the men dragging the horses away. Soon you come to what looks like the main town square, rimmed by dozens of wooden and plaster buildings, all stacked up against each other. You head past an open storefront on your right, from which is emanating the delicious smell of cooking food. You say, A deep fryer! Ah! <laughs> ah! I like your style, kid, laughs Tom. The familiar smell raises your spirits. You think that if such a thing exists here in the town, the abbey itself might still be free from evil. This way, says Frederick, leading you through an archway. Through the archway is a square tower, stretching up four stories into the air. It has closed windows with narrow openings for archers to defend the building. Here we are, he says. The ground floor has a narrow walkway around the inside of the tower, with stairs up to the floors above. He leads you up to the second floor where there are a series of wooden beams stretching out in a star shape. 
You and your men can relax here until someone returns from the Abbey to fetch these brothers, Frederick says. What is this place? One of the men asks, looking out a window towards the docks. I couldn't even see it from the waterfront. Oh, this tower has been here much longer than the town itself. The builders of Miller's Rest must have been the first to settle here, and they built this tower in a spot perfectly located to defend the area. It's called Starfish Tower, after these five points in the structure here, and in the old days it would have had men on watch all the time to raise the alarm in case of an attack. Starfish Tower, you yell. It's just like the starfish on the necklace you found on the mermaid, or the captain's wife. But you were sure that she was from the village tin. You soon realize that everyone is staring at you. I, I, I just remembered an old pirate legend about it. They all seem to be satisfied with that answer, and you sit down next to the nearest window, looking out over the town. Master Taller, if you please, we have much to prepare before tomorrow. If you will follow me, your men can relax here, Frederick says. See you two in the morning, the captain says and gives you a nod before following Frederick through a wooden door off to one side. After a short time, the burly men return with a robed man, clearly a father of the fast food order. Welcome to Miller's Rest, he says, smiling at you all. I am Father Peach. If you brothers would like to join me, we will retire to the Abbey for the night and return here in the morning so that you may continue your voyage. Grace be with you, Father Peach, you say, bowing to the man. And also with you, my son, he replies. Father Peach turns and heads down the stairs, and you and Brother Cola open follow. You say, Tell me, Father, has anything strange happened at your abbey recently? Oh, frankly, yes, says Father Peach, giving you a sideways look. Several of our acolytes have disappeared over the past few weeks, and I am sorry if this comes as a shock, but Father Frank Furter, as you may have known him, has suddenly died. Oh, oh dear. Father Peach gives you a look of puzzled sympathy. Was he a friend of yours? I knew him and heard the captain mention him, you say guiltily. Oh, I am sorry for your loss. You're still not sure where Father Peach's loyalties lie, but you start to feel a growing trust for the man. He seems somehow special. Do you think it was an accident? You ask as he leads you past the tumble-down house on the edge of town. Oh, I would certainly like to think so, Father Peach replies thoughtfully. But all the signs are not good. Finally, you come to a halt in an empty square at the center of the village. Oh dear, says the father. I seem to have taken a wrong turn somewhere. How did we end up back here? You were taking us to the abbey, father. Father Peach looks at you in surprise, and then his gaze turns guilty. Oh, Yes, yes, of course, he mutters. You will have to forgive me, brother. I'm just a little distracted tonight. Shortly after, you arrive at the abbey, located just outside the village and surrounded by a small forest. It's tiny compared to what you're used to, little more than a couple low stone buildings around a small fountain. The father shows you through the door and into a humble kitchen, where a few monks quietly work over their stations. Welcome to our place of worship, he says as you survey the beautiful artwork around you. 
The heart of every abbey is the kitchen, but the heart of every kitchen is the deep fryer. Suddenly you are overcome with the exhaustion as memories from your previous life as a fry brother in the abbey come flooding back to you. You sink to your knees, tears welling up in your eyes. The sight of a deep fryer is almost too much for you to bear. Father Peach puts his hand on your shoulder and says, I understand. It will take time, but you will learn to let go of the past and embrace the future. I... I don't even know how I got involved with all of this, you shudder. What is it, brother? With what? You can confide in me, my son. Before you can think twice, the whole story comes tumbling out. The murder of Father Frankfurter, the cover-up at the Abbey and the death of Father Custard, and your escape onto the boat. The death of the captain's wife, how you murdered those monstrous men on Imor Island all of it. You even tell him about the ghostly visit from Father Custard last night. At the end, Father Peach looks pale. The color has drained from his cheeks, and he sits down heavily on a wooden bench. I have heard many horrible rumors lately from travelers passing through the village, he says at last. I fear many of them may have been real, if what you say is true. You have no response. You just sit and stare at the floor in silence, fighting back tears. Well, I applaud your bravery, brothers, and you have found safety under my roof. I will heed this warning with my very life. Thank you for confiding in me. But, Father, what did Father Custard mean? Every man cooks and prepares his own dish of fate. What does that mean? It means, says Father Peach, that we need a good meal and a soft bed before you decide anything further. He smiles a kindly smile and gestures to one of the monks, who begins to set and serve a meal of deep-fried hamburgers and fries. You take a seat and eagerly tuck in, feeling more at ease here than you have in days. After dinner, you retire to a room above the kitchen and spend a comfortable night in bed for the first time in ages. The next morning, Father Peach ushers you into his small personal quarters to discuss the future. Good morning, brother. I have some somber tidings. Last night I received a message from a reliable source in the capital. I admit that at first I was reluctant to believe your story, although you seemed earnest enough. But it's confirmed, Brother Chili. Your Dogtown Abbey has been handed over to one Father Santuzzo. And it gets worse. They know how you escaped. Then they're coming for me, you ask. Yes, I'm sorry. The message said that at least two of Father Custard's killers are with Santuzzo, and they've been sent to find you and Brother Cola open. I don't think they know you're in Miller's Rest. Yet. You say, what should we do? Father Peach exhales tiredly and glances out the window. The view of the misty waterfront and birds circling down to roost catches his attention for a moment. I believe I shall be making a visit to the city, he says at last. You frown. Father, aren't you afraid? It's not safe. 
He smiles. Don't worry about me, son. The good Lord will protect me. Anyway, it's up to you now to make a decision. What decision? Will you go with the captain and help him try to stand against the dawn and free the villages? Or will you go to the city as Father Custard wanted you to and seek out Chief Pringerman and the hot dog police? It's not an easy choice to make, brother. You think long and hard about everything that has happened. Then at last you answer. I shall go to the city, father, and try to find Chief Pringaman. Brother Cola Open smiles and says, Yes, brother. Hunt dog police like Father Custard said so. The hard part is going to be telling that to Tom and the captain, you mutter. Son, well, this has been a great ordeal for you. I think a change in scenery would do you much good. And in fact, it seems as if our paths will be headed in the same direction. Except while you'll be on a stagecoach and much more likely to be attacked, you say. Father Peach suddenly claps his hands and smiles. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure how the abbots in Dogtown get around, but here in the real world, we use public transportation. You have much to learn about the world, brothers. With that, the old father shepherds you both out of his office and into the kitchen for a breakfast of greasy pancakes and warm orange juice. After eating, you find yourself marching back to the tower to meet with Frederick and the captain. You're not sure what to expect. As you arrive, the captain takes you aside for a talk. I'm sorry I doubted you, he says suddenly. We received word last night that your stories from the Abbey were true. You feel a rush of emotions, but somehow less surprised than you thought you would be. You and the captain have been through a lot together in the past few days, and you feel a trust between you that wasn't there before. Well, it's not over yet, you say with a sigh. I'm sorry, Captain. I hate to say it, but I'm not going on with you inland. He looks grim and puts a hand on your shoulder. I understand, he says at last. You'd best hurry to the city. It would be dangerous to stay here for long. You say, Captain, I... But the captain interrupts you with a warm smile. We will meet again someday. I feel it in my heart. Then, without another word, he turns and walks away. Tom turns to you and says, Hey, at the first sign of trouble, you leave the city and head back to the abbey here. I think it's probably the last one on the Don's list. You nod slowly. I want you to have something, Tom says. Or rather, uh, someone. From his shirt, he pulls out a light brown chicken and strokes her lovingly on the head. Her name is Polly, and she'll be joining you on this trip. You gaze at the chicken in surprise. A chicken? You ask in puzzlement. Tom smiles and shrugs. Look on the bright side. If she gets out of hand, you can just eat her, <laughs> chuckles Tom. Brother Cola open grins and takes the chicken, stroking it and muttering to it as if it was a baby. The captain slaps you on the shoulder and says, Take care of yourselves, brothers, then watch your backs. 
He turns and barks orders to his men, and everyone funnels out into the courtyard where crates and supplies are being loaded into covered trucks and vans. You bid the men a final farewell. Grease be with you all, you say. As you, Brother Cola Open, and Father Peach leave the courtyard, you see Tom loading a machine gun into the back of a truck, and suddenly you realize you haven't even thought about how dangerous their task is going to be. Your stomach clenches up in a knot, but you force yourself to swallow hard and shove the thought out of your mind. It does no good to dwell on such things. Every man cooks and prepares his own dish of fate, you remind yourself. You reach the roadside and pile into the back of a truck, whose driver looks like he hasn't bathed in years. His eyes seem to glaze over as Father Peach thanks him. Our friend here will drop us at the depot across town, he explains. The truck screeches away from the curb and you settle in. Brother Cola Open cradles Polly, the chicken, in his arms, who seems to have taken to the large brother almost as much as he has to her. She climbs onto his shoulder and nestles in under his hair. After a short ride, the truck bumps into the bus depot and the three of you pile out. A large bus waits next to the station. Father Peach goes forward to speak to the driver. After a brief exchange, the driver says, You're gonna have to transfer in Mayfield, but other than that, it's a straight run to the Big Egg. The Big Egg? Brother Cola Open says defensively, sheltering Polly behind his broad shoulders. The driver laughs. (laughs) Yeah, the Big Egg. You brothers don't get out much, hey? The Big Egg. The big city. You know, Neo-New York. You both look at him with blank expressions. Well, anyway... Hop on board, the driver says. Next stop, Mayfield. You all board the bus and find three seats together, three up front. The bus is mostly empty this early in the morning. A few sleepy-faced people trickle on board and take seats. The driver pulls out and the bus heads out of town on a dusty dirt road. You stare out the window as Brother Cola Open mutters softly to Polly and Father Peach dozes off in the warm sun that filters in through the window. As the miles pass, you think back on your life and the many paths not taken. You hope you've made the right decision by leaving Captain Toller and Tom and the other men. You can't help but feel like you're running away and that the captain had misplaced his newfound trust in you. Is that what Father Custard meant by cooking and preparing your own fate? You look at Father Peach, a fair bit younger than Father Custard was, but still a generation older than yourself. You wonder how he lost his arm, and why you never noticed it before, until you see a false arm on the seat next to him. It looks like Father Peach has had his own share of hardship and tragedy. You wonder what awaits the three of you in Neo-New York, and how you'll manage to evade the men who you now know are following you. You all ride in silence until the sun begins to set, as the bus continues on towards Mayfield. listening to Brother Chili Episode 4, Landfall, created by Malcolm Sutherland and written with AI Dungeon Dragon Engine. This episode of Deep Folk, Tales from the Generator is a Studio Tour 2 production and was recorded in September of 2020.